So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows, updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. I am a green olive queen. I'm a marching man hunter. I'm a lover of weed. I'll wolverine your ovary. I'll open your spleen. I love the BPRD. There's no creepy and geek. I got a pool drawer at the comic book store. I got a discount. When I want Alan Moore or the Merc with the mouth. That's what I'm all about. More green. That's one thing. I'm gonna blaze and geek out. All right, you guys know what time it is. No, it's not the witching hour, though it, it always is in my home. Uh, it's bag and border time. What's up, folks? I'm Matt Cohen. I'm joined by Misty. You never give your second. I don't know, Misty Dawn. There's a lot of Misties out there. It's true. Uh, let's name the famous I... Misties in history. Uh, There's you. Ariel? The chick from... How is Ariel Misty? Because I want to be named Ariel. Mm, doesn't really work <laughs> out with this logic. I was going to go uh, Misty from Pokemon. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's actually Misty Dawn. Uh, the, the Misty from Talk Misty to Me Lover. Isn't that like a famous porno? Oh, uh, no, it's a Clint Eastwood movie. Play okay, for see, me. I never saw it, so... <laughs> sure. I thought it was a famous porno that, that I'd been left out on. So, so there are some other Misties, so who are you? Misty Dawn. There you go. Help is us that, out a little that, bit. So I officially say that every time now? Is that your way of yelling? I feel like if I say Matt Cohen every time, like, there's a lot of Matts. I could be Matt Dillon. I've all, I'm often mistake, mistooken for him, so... No, that's creepy. You, you're not around me long enough. You should see, like, at least four or five times a day. It's only <laughs> one guy, though. He follows me around. It's a weird thing. Uh, welcome to Bag and Boarded. <laughs> Me and Misty are chilling out here. Uh, we did a live show last night. We did. Did you have good times? We did. I had a great time. You want to elaborate on that no. a little bit? It was, I, uh, well, pretty much I discovered I'd be the only one who would survive a zombie attack. You were the, the only room. one who had a plan for a zombie attack. Me and Nick. Nick had it. Well, he wasn't on the show, so that didn't really help right. out. Right. Well, you it still want, doesn't matter. Nick? Nick what? is your friend that no one knows, so we got a little bit of context. Yeah. Okay. My friend Nick who came to see the show. Misty's friend Nick would be good in a zombie attack, you he guys. He tweeted That's... me and said, <laughs> he kudos me for remembering the first rule of zombie attacks. My move is burrowing. Like, uh, you'll yeah, hear I don't know how you gonna have time to burrow. How do you have concrete? time to burrow? You're like, oh, whoa, oh, zombies are running. I I'm gonna dig this hole real I look quick. down and start digging. I don't know how I have time to do anything else. Like, well, why don't you use that ability to do a lot of other things? My digging ability? Yeah. What, like, to rob banks? You're and like the human dig dug. The human dig dug? <laughs> uh, what other, what other, uh, things could I use that ability for? I'm just curious. Um, other than escaping a zombie apocalypse. In like a little mm. hobbit hole. You know what it would be like? You ever see Fantastic Mr. Fox? Secret parties that you can't get into? D- like digging my way in and then making uh, the dopest fucking entrance ever when I yeah, bust right? out of the ground and <laughs> exactly. shit. Yeah, yeah. Drain someone's pool. Now the party can start. Just Drain someone's jerk. pool and put the water in someone else's pool so they have yeah. a double pool. Like really fuck up the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. 
I like I like where you're going with this. I'll see what else I can come up. You're with. you're just a storm of brains. Um, and <laughs> and you brought along a friend today, which which was very cool of you. Uh, uh, let's just get right into it. With that, please welcome our guest, Megan Gans. Megan Ann Gans is my full Christian name. Megan so, Ann Gans. I know right. how you're you're all about listing. Yeah, yeah. Full names. I appreciate that. My full Jewish name is Matthew Mordechai Heyman Jewberg. It's actually <laughs> just Matthew Alexander Cohen, which is I feel like the most Gentile and royal sounding Jewish name. It's that Alexander that throws it off. Yeah. They don't belong in there. Mine is definitely the most Midwestern. Megan Ann Gans. Yeah. It's like totally. a lot of Anns. Like my, a- mom are, my mom and dad's name are Dan and Ann. Wow. <laughs> it's just so a rhyming scheme in your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dinners must be very sing-song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Megan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for Thank you for being me. here. Uh, Misty has been, been talking about you for a while, and I've been a fan of your work from afar. Oh, uh, thanks. Let, let's get into the story of you, man. <laughs> uh, where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Which is in like the southwest corner of the state. It's about halfway j- between Detroit and Chicago. Is that technically Midwest? Michigan? Uh, oh I was yeah, definitely north. Midwest. I guess there is no north, right? Pe- well, there's like New England. Okay, yeah, I, I, guess I guess it makes sense. You the lakes that break it up, so it totally uh, breaks up the culture. For some reason, I always thought like Wisconsin, Michigan, that thing. I like it's because it's, it's colder it's a, it's a than New spot. England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Canada, but not really. Little Canada, Dude, we'll call it. Close. Canada <laughs> Junior. Uh, so you grew up in Michigan. What was what was life like out there? Is it a big uh, city or? It wasn't a very big city. Now, uh, Kalamazoo is pretty small. I mean, it was fine until I was like eighteen, and then I was definitely ready to leave. Was you had that small town kind of mentality thing where? Yeah. Well, I I just I feel like from a young age I just kind of felt like I wanted to go to college and I knew I wanted to go. I actually stayed in state to go to college. I went to U of M, but it was in Ann Arbor, and Ann Arbor was just like. A little bit bigger and a little bit more like hip and, and a lot more stoned. Yeah, exactly. Don't they have Hempfest at it? Yeah, 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 that's like a yeah. huge hash bash. Thing hash bash. It. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Bash. Which is, uh, if I'm wrong, I've never went, but I had buddies who went to school out there. Every year they would have like uh like a weed day and everyone would smoke pot on like yeah. this giant field. Or yeah, something. for a while there were these stories about how like um in the like I, I, they weren't doing it when I was there in the early 2000s, but like. They they had these stories about how you would just tell you would fi- figure out how much a misdemeanor was for like a pot like how much you would have to pay the fine and you would just pin it to your shirt and walk around smoking That's all day awesome. just because like and all the cops were just kind of like all right you guys have your one little thing but they also used to do like the naked mile and they can't do it that anymore people like shut it down I wish you could oh. do that for other crimes but then that would yeah. get creepy because you'd see some dude with like. 200 grand on his jacket or whatever and you're like stay the fuck away from that guy but michigan has medicinal marijuana now they do they were like the third third or fourth state to legalize yeah they were pretty it was pretty hip of them i'm actually surprised it's it's that car culture man there's nothing better than driving around to canada or something i mean that might have something to do with it but But you missed that you missed that fun right i definitely missed that yeah yeah I was out in New York um, for a while, and I mean, obviously, it's not legal out there either. But since I've been in LA, it's just like there's it's the n- best thing ever. No, if you're if you're a pot smoker, it's so hard. To, like people, um, I have a buddy who's dying to go to Amsterdam. Like he's been every month, he calls me to get this trip going. Yeah. I was like, dude, I live in Amsterdam. Yeah, and there's not Dutch here. people here. Like it's <laughs> it's way better. Um, it's it's crazy. I as it as like if pot is a big part of your life, I can't see living 
I can't see living in California and then moving somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it would be difficult. Although I had a pretty sweet setup when I was in Brooklyn. Like I had a delivery service. So these like hipster kids would like bike weed to my house. I had that too. I'm I'm from New York originally. I lived in Manhattan for a while and it was, it was literally the thing from like half baked. Like you'd call a beeper number. Yeah. I would get like really pretty, um, African American girls. Like it was the greatest thing ever. I have this really cool, like kind of skater looking chick who painted mural murals all the time and she would constantly lay out all my weed and then tell me like, Oh, this one is really good for painting. And this one is a good high from like the middle of your head up. And I'm like, what are you? T- Dude, I love it. I, I want love, it all. I love those. And I'm a huge pothead. But when people get into like, mm, if you're sleepy and want to go for a bike ride later, I really, yeah. I, I recommend a sativa in a hybrid. I'm like, I just want to get high, dude. Like I, I just want to put so smoke inside though. of my body. She was so great though. How was, how was pot in Michigan? Is it like a party thing? Like what was it like growing up? I mean, I didn't smoke pot till I was like in college. I was a way late bloomer on the stoner tip. Like I, I got, I, it's maybe smoked like five times in college. And then I went out to New York and it, I actually got an, a, a group of comics, uh, that I knew out there. We used to do this, um, what did we call it? 5k bong hit club where we would like <laughs> run a 5k in Central Park and then smoke bowls and then go to brunch. And it was awesome. That is the most insane yeah. stoner activity I've and, ever, but we, no, it would be great. It's so contrary we, though. Like who wants to run and then smoke? Like, I, oh, I smoke <laughs> and exercise. Constantly. Do you really? Yeah. I've, been, I've been doing that now. I only started exercising and I love it. I, I go for, hey, I get as high as humanly possible yeah. so I can no longer feel my body and just mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah, that, that's the move. Is, Wait, what do you do? You run or something? Yeah, I'll go on like I'll go on, or I'll go on like the treadmill. Like there's a gym oh, at the yeah, building yeah. I live in, or even just like uh like cr- like dips and stuff. Just watching your your arm flex yeah. when you're super stoned is awesome. I, I do uh, Bikram yoga, that like hot room yoga. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. baked, and it's like you're so overwhelmed by everything that's happening that finally your mind gets completely silent. Have you ever and cried? You start... <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't cried in class, but I've definitely had these weird emotions come up when you're like, you know, because you're opening your chest up and stuff and it's it's pretty crazy that's awesome but yeah Listen, i love so it. you weren't partying growing up what was life like growing up were you a geek were, what kind of kid were you were you into were, um, you, were you always into comedy yeah i mean i my dad showed me groucho uh groucho marx movies well marx brother movies since i was um really little but I've always been interested in comedy. I was, I was a really shy kid till I was probably like 15. So I didn't have very many interests because I just didn't do much. I was just kind of quiet. Uh, and then I started writing when I was around that age and people started, I used to, I started letting people read it, which was like new for me and, uh, started doing like, I was like a drama geek kid in of. high school and stuff. So yeah, you like I was found on the, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was on like the crew mostly though. Cause I, I'm, I'm not usually a performer. I get pretty nervous. Um, but, uh, it, it was, you know, it was fun and, and I started being myself more and saying things that I was thinking in my head that were sarcastic, but I didn't even barely know they were sarcastic because I never said them to another person yeah. before. You know, you don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get. And then I started getting laughs from doing it. And so, of course, you just start chasing that. So what kind of writing were you doing mostly back then? Um, I was just like, I had like a little website on like Angel Fire or something and I was like blogging. That's it was awesome. very typical. Of no, but that's the, awesome. From that, yeah. did you did you instantly realize like this is what I got to do? Kind of um, thing. Well, I always wanted to write for the onion specifically. Uh, when I was about 13, my mom gave me, uh, the first onion book I ever had and I was like immediately addicted to it. And I was just, I was really into that style of satire. I thought it was, it was a cool, I, I think I always maybe should have gone into debate because I like making arguments and satire is always about kind of like making an argument and then showing, showing it to be false. 
showing what you're what you're talking about to be untrue. So I was always really interested in that, and I wanted to go into. The, but that's basically the only place to go do it is the onion. It was the onion, right? And yeah. no, I nobody had any idea of how to get a job there, so there's nothing to like study because I wasn't going pre med, so I didn't kind of know what to do. I just love that in our generation, <laughs> someone can aspire like at 13 years old, be like, I want to write for the onion. Like that's a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, you could either be a coal worker or dead. I feel like before 1980, like those were your options as a kid. You know yeah, I mean? it was so much the thing that I wanted to do that I figured I didn't even have to think of what I wanted to do second the best because I was if if I was going to do that, it was going to be like I don't know, I'll be a teacher or something. It doesn't matter. I, I had to do that. the thing that I love. I thought I was going to be Wolverine in the X Men movie. Then I started losing awesome. my hair, and I was like, "Fuck." They need to invent a bald. Wait, superhero you wanted to be quick. Wolverine in the X Men movie? Yeah, that like, was that's really specific. Oh yeah, like not even like, like an actor in nope, general. Nope. Just, like <laughs> I needed to be. Like there were like four characters in my life where I'm like, all right, the point of my existence is to. I don't really even want to be an actor, but I'm yeah. like, I need to be that. Yeah. But then the the fucking bald thing kind of hurt that a little bit <laughs> at a younger age. So I, I'm just w- biding my times, dude. Max Payne three. I'm incredibly excited. He shaves <laughs> his head in it. I was uh, like, boom. Really? There we go, right there. Movie role for me. It's tough, <laughs> yeah. man. Silver Surfer, I guess. When, when did <laughs> you know, Surfer. Misty? Like the, when you wanted to do what you do? I kind of didn't. I don't know. Really? Do you yeah. still did know? It come yet? on late? No, I really still have no idea. I don't know. It kind of happened. Yeah. Uh, I just started doing stuff online when I got let go from my office job when I was in college. I originally was in school as a biology major to become a veterinarian. Oh, you wanted to be a veterinarian? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you just really like animals, is that? Yeah, definitely. I my, grew up my mom ran an animal shelter. I've been her, to her mom like, has her mom currently. Has, my a, mom pet has pig. a pet pig named Pepe. Oh my god! It's awesome. The is the cutest thing ever. She <laughs> takes videos on her iPhone. My family is from Kentucky. They still live there. Wouldn't oh, it be great yeah. if your family was from like fucking Newark, New Jersey, and they yeah, had a pet pig? Had a yeah, no, it's a much better story things. there. But, uh, so does it like run around in the backyard and stuff? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's in the house. Train. Yeah, it lives in the house. Oh, it's that's like, so I think cute. It's like Does it house? have a piggy door to like get in and out? No, oh, that was a door, but that would be really cute. But tell her adorable. to get a piggy door. The fact that your mom is a big is the most interesting thing about your I life. Grew, I'm I not had, gonna like, lie. I grew up three pet ducks. <laughs> Your duck, but, I had three pet ducks. My friend had a pet duck, and um, <laughs> in like fifth grade, we were over at his house, and someone sat on it and killed it. Oh my it god! It was the worst fucking thing of all time. That's Wait, terrible. a pet duck? Yeah, it was really weird. He had like a big backyard, and he had this duck like that he was in love with his whole life. It was and like his best friend. Duck? It was on the couch, and no one How was looking. You? And we went to go play video it's games. Been, like someone... the biggest, fattest dude oh, ever. I, we were we were like ten, so I, I can't imagine so unless there was know. a really obese <laughs> ten year old in our crew that I don't remember. The town I went to college in is the most obese city in America. Really? Mm-hmm. Wait, where is that? Uh, Evansville, Indiana. Wow. Yeah, Midwest. It's something yep. to be proud of, man. Yeah, uh-huh. so but every time I go home and I, like, I've gained more weight out here eating all the delicious food options they don't have at home, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not 400 pounds I'm just, I'm just fitting bad. into the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still yeah. got like a 200-pound net I'm skinny on that here, one. Yeah, so yeah. the worst comes to worst, I keep eating cat. Let's <laughs> move home. <laughs> so uh, from writing in high school and, and blogging and that sort of stuff, what, uh, college in, in Ann Arbor yeah, for, for writing? Uh, I went for... I was an English major. Um, so... I, I wasn't taking a specific like creative writing program um, because I didn't know exactly. I mean, I, like I said, I wanted to work for The Onion, but... Uh, Had you ever contacted them at this point? Uh, I just kept going to the website every day <laughs> yeah. and like going to the job page and being and just keep thinking, oh, they're just going to post when they need a writer, right? They're just going to post a, jo- a uh, writer wanted ad. And so... Um, I just kept going every day, and then when I started working there, they were like, "Oh, we never update that thing." Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a fake thing. Yeah. Um, but so what that's I a did gag was, website. I just started writing for a um, 
satirical newspaper that was at my college um, called the uh, Michigan Every Three Weekly. And so I wrote for that for every year. I mean, I started when I was a freshman. And when I was a senior, that paper got um, contacted by The Onion because they were starting this new writing fellowship program, which was like essentially like um, an internship where you actually got to write articles and awesome. try to get them published, which was great. And they never had it before. It was literally just this year they started it. What year did The Onion start? Um, it was, oh God, I'm, so I'm trying stoked to remember when I first became this. conscious of it. I think it was in that same way. Uh, someone, I think it was 82. Someone bought I'm, me like I'm a, pretty sure it was 82. I think the first time I became aware of the onion was someone got me like a trade paperback thing at like Barnes and Noble in the humor yeah. section where they, com- they, where they would compile like yeah. a ton of their articles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They started publishing in like 97. I think, um, I think our dumb century was 99 and I loved it. when that, that came out. I was obsessed with it too. Cause it was, it almost like punished you for reading it. The font was so small. It was so dry. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And they were online in 96. That's when a lot of people started getting, you know, aware, becoming oh, really? aware of yeah, the yeah. onion. So from, from writing for, uh, the every three weekly onion rolled up that mm-hmm. paper kind of. In, in no, terms- no. They just, they just sent us, um, basically how we could audition for this writing fellowship program. And so I sent in 25 headlines and like a couple short um, pieces. And then I got selected me and one other person. They sent it around to a bunch of humor uh, newspapers uh, and uh, at different colleges. And so I got chosen to do it. So I found out I had to move to New York in like two weeks. Oh, wow. um, just quit all my job, like my jobs that I had. And no, it was just yeah. like, forget it. I don't care. I'm getting to New York. I don't care if I go into debt. I don't care. what. This happens. was everything you'd wanted to do. Yeah, though. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's like, I said, no way in. So when you get that opportunity, I just had to jump on it. And, uh, it was absolutely terrifying. I did it for three months. Um, learned how to write a story, uh, was like, ap- I was just terrified all the time because this was like, you know, my comedy idols no, and all yeah, of a sudden yeah. I'm in a room with them and pitching them jokes and, when those people don't react well to it, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm the absolute soul worst. Wrenching. It's yeah, soul yeah, wrenching. Yeah. And, uh, and so I did that for three months and then I, they liked the stuff that I was writing. So, um, I kept freelancing for them, writing about a story a week or some smaller content. And you're living in New York at this point. Mm-hmm. Had you ever visited before this? Um, I actually, the summer before my, the summer between my junior and senior year, I went to New York for a, a six week internship at Mad Magazine. Oh, that's awesome. That was my first job in comedy. That's really, really yeah. cool. How was that? Um, that was really fun. I mean, is it, was, it a I, bunch of old dudes? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I would say they're older on the side of comedy, but, um, I mean, just for, for now that I've been in TV. Like, I like, love TV's Mad Magazine, younger. but I just have this image in my mind of like 70 year old guys in like a real dusty, oh, like, no, no. you know what they I mean? Were actually amazing like they gave me so much confidence and they used to let us write little things in the um in the magazine which for an internship usually they just stick you in a corner and tell you to print things and get coffee and shit. yeah Yeah, and so it was really amazing they like really they had us sit in in all the meetings and i got to listen to how comedy meetings work and it was really cool it was really awesome and then on my last day the uh, editor-in-chief pulled me into his office and said you know you're pretty good at this you should you should move out here and alfred e newman said that to you yeah. Uh, John Ficarra was his that's, name. That's, that's really, really yeah. cool. So, so you had, you were no stranger to New York. What was the transition like moving there full time in two weeks though? I mean, um, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I was still a stranger because being out there for six weeks, it was, I was like staying on someone's couch and it was like an extended vacation sort of. Um, but moving there just 
pulling my whole life there. And I'd always, you know, been in kind of small towns, even Ann Arbor isn't super no. large. And that was, so the second time I had ever been in New York, I moved there for good. And well, I mean, for three years, <laughs> as it turned out, but, um, but moved in, it was like, it was intimidating, but it, moving to New York is like, it feels like moving into a furnished apartment, you know, where everything is just kind of like already there for you. Everything is laid out for you to explore it. And all you need is like a place to fall asleep. And I, not. And that's it. It can be like really shitty. I make that analogy between New York and LA a lot. Like you have to make your life in LA. Mm -hmm. Like every yeah. single step of it, you have to find your friends. You have to find the places you yeah. go. New York just happens around you kind of. Yeah. And you can choose to check in or not. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and you're just sort of investigating it as you move. You know, even on your walk to the subway, you're going to walk past like a coffee shop and a restaurant and a bar and you can kind of check them out because you're walking slowly past things. Totally. That was so um, easier. I, I lived in New York for like four years and then I've been out here from... I think like, yeah, four years now. I went back recently for the first time for New Year's and like every single day I was there, I drunk walked because yeah. I missed that more than anything was yeah. like iPod in, walk like 40 blocks and just look at shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, I used yeah. to get really, really baked and walk over bridges and have like these... <laughs> blissful moments that I, I haven't had since I've moved out here at the, all. As soon as I landed at the airport, I met my buddy at a bar, I ate some mushrooms, and I just <laughs> walked till like 4 o'clock in the morning. Wait, that was the first thing you did when you got to Yeah. Wow. And I realized I could superimpose my image onto glass windows. I can't anymore, though. It was only for that <laughs> yeah, night. But it was that. really yeah. awesome. Yeah. I would stand in front of it, and eventually I would like phase into it, and I could walk away, and I would still be there. <laughs> So I was like, I'm fucking, oh I'm like the God. new Banksy. Like I'm going to be in every window in Manhattan <laughs> in the morning. It didn't turn out that way. Um, so you, uh, Mad Magazine leads to, you're coming back. Now you're there at the Onion after mm -hmm. three months. So after three months, I did, uh, I freelanced for them for a few months and while I worked like a temp job answering phones for an advertising agency. Um, and then I actually, from the, what was weird about that job is I started at this advertising agency and then the women at the temp agency liked me so much that they had me temp at the temp agency. <laughs> is so, that a thing? Yeah. Which wow. I never knew, but it was like, that's I was like, answering phones for a temp agency as a temp. That's like, where, where do barbers get their hair cut sort <laughs> yeah. of thing, right? It yeah, was yeah. so weird. These two women, they were, they were perfectly nice. But anyway, the whole time I was writing for the onion in my spare time and, um, and then I would just kind of go to meetings, even though they weren't paying me as a writer. I would just, I'd be like, well, can I just sit in on them? And they'd be like, sure. And so eventually they just, it just made sense to hire to me hire because yeah, I yeah. was getting stuff in so often and I was just kind of around so much that when they had the money freed up, they, they gave me a That's staff awesome. writing job. So you became a staff writer for yeah. The Onion. And how old? I was 20. Three, that's crazy, probably. dude. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, well, it was. Well, yeah, right after college. I mean, it was. It was terrible. So at twenty three, you literally achieved your dream in life. Yeah, what do you do first, after actually, that? Actually, at the inter <laughs> in the interview, not that they they interviewed me kind of afterwards because they already knew me, obviously. And so when they offered me the job, they just had me come in and kind of talk to them about it. And uh, the editor in chief at the time asked me, "What's your five year plan?" And I was like, "I in five years I would really like to get this job." So I don't know. You're like, I, <laughs> you if it takes five years, whatever. This well, is I mean, the plan. you you yeah, gave yeah. it to me already. That no, was totally. my five year plan. Now I have to invent a new one. And uh, yeah, but so and that one is belly dancing. <laughs> Oh, God, uh, I wish. <laughs> so what was it like now? You went from an intern to a staff writer. What was the change like for that? Was it a, a ton more, uh, more work? Were the hours crazy? Like, um, no, it's pretty much, it's, it's like, 
I mean, the hours are crazy in the sense that it's kind of, it, feel, it always felt kind of like college to me in the sense that you always had an assignment that was hanging over your head. It was pre- pretty constant. And you'd always finish them on deadline. But as soon as you finished one, you'd have a new deadline for the next thing. And so just because of the week to week publishing of it, uh, it just, it, it did feel kind of intense, like while you were there, you know, but, but it was organized really nicely because we'd only come in to the office for meetings and we'd just have whatever meetings oh, we needed awesome. to have. And then we would leave and we'd write on our own time. So if you wanted to like during the day, go out and do stuff and then work at night, you'd have the option. To you do could that. make your own schedule. Yeah. You, didn't have, you didn't have to go into office hours yeah. or anything, which is Whereas really in nice. television. You're there like all day 18 long. 18 hours yeah. a fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hate movies and TV. That's what I learned after moving to Hollywood. I was like, I need to sleep in life. I feel like to yeah. appreciate it. Um, so you're working on the onion. How long did that, what were you writing, um, parody stuff on like the main section? Yeah, I was writing for, you know, the main articles in the opinion, like the sort of, um, op-ed columns. Uh, what are some of your favorite headlines that you got through? That I, do you remember? That were my headlines? Yeah, yeah, totally. I wasn't super good at headlines. Um, hold on, let me think. Uh, everyone always goes to that for the onion though, like, you know what I mean? There was a an opinion article. Um, a woman uh, act now to take advantage of my lowered lower standards. Nice. Okay, <laughs> um, what else? God. I mean, you were writing. You're getting articles published every week. I, oh, right? I had one when Nancy Pelosi started. It was uh, Nancy Pelosi wants Congress to want to pass bill. Yeah. Um, that was sort of a lady <laughs> joke. I thought that was pretty. <laughs> Misty, chime in. Funny. I, no, that's my favorite thing to actually quote. Is it really? I want what? you to want to do the dishes. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it 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 is like a real feeling that you have as a woman, and like it doesn't sound logical, but it, it, makes, but it makes sense. sense. The desire for you to have yeah. a desire. Make, yeah. Well, because if you don't learn that you're supposed to do this, then I have to tell you every time. So I right. want you from inside of you to have some sort of. But it depends on how what the thing is that you want him to want to know, because that could be outrageous. Yeah, it's just like the. I don't know. It doesn't. It's not as sentimental if they don't really want to do it. They just do it through the motions. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you have to put your heart into it, the dishes. Yeah, not just do my. So habit. it's basically <laughs> a nice way of saying I want to rewire your brain right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, that works for me. So uh, girls do, you know. How long did your tenureship at the Onion last? Because you said you were in New York for three years. So. Yeah. So my first year, I was a staff writer, and then I became an assistant editor. Um, that job opened up, and I like basically t- told them I wanted it, and and they interviewed a bunch of people, but <clears throat> ended up settling on me, and uh, did that for a year, and then I became an associate editor. Um, which was just kind of like the position below um, editor in chief. I don't know the the masthead there like switches up so much. It's kind of funny. Who's the editor in chief? Everybody there does now? kind of the same job, except that some people edit the stories after they've all been put through their drafts, and um, and some of them write stories every week, and some don't. I tried to still write a story every week when I was editing because I was like producing new content. I mean, editing is fun sometimes, but. You know, usually you don't want to edit that much because you want to let someone's artistic sort of or their creative vision uh, through. There's like a fine line between editing and rewriting almost. Exactly. And I feel like you rewrite less when you're writing by yourself, too, because you have an outlet for all your creative. So you can let other things kind of stay the way they are. So anyway, I did that for uh, the third year. So I was there for three years. And then I got a, a job offer to be on important things with Dimitri Martin to write awesome. for that show. Yeah. And that was, in, was that a New York show too? Or it was a New York show for its first season, but it had moved to LA for and, second. Season. And is that how you got out here? Yeah. So that's why I came out to LA. So what, so you go from working for the onion, your dream job to now all of a sudden you've got a TV writing mm-hmm. gig. What was, how was that? 
I mean, did you ever expect uh, to do anything like that? No, I, I thought I would probably trans, well, I mean, I, I, I didn't think about writing for TV until I'd been at The Onion for three years. And then I was like, I guess I should see what else I can do, you know, just test it out. And so I started writing packets for, um, the Daily Show and Colbert Report, because I figured that was kind of a similar, a good transition Satire, from The Onion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got, uh, I really enjoyed writing those packets and I got an interview for Colbert, which I didn't get the job. Um, but it was, uh, after doing that, I kind of just started doing other packets and a sketch packet was one of them for Dimitri show. And I really liked Dimitri and I always really respected him and thought he, he was really funny. So, and I thought it would be fun to try transitioning into TV. Um, and I also figured television is probably like waitressing where you have to have a waitressing experience in order to get a waitressing job. So whoever offers yeah. you your that first job, sense. you have to do it. You, you have know? to get it's that first like, leg yeah, in no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Too. And it's great that that one happened to be something that I would have done anyway. <clears throat> so I came out here and did that for a year. Had you been written a lot of sketch before that? Um, actually, I had never written sketches before that. Really? Like, uh, they, my agents told me when they, um, when the, cause I was going to do a phone interview cause I was still in New York at the time. And, uh, they said when they, I said, what am I supposed to say when they call and they ask me about my experience? Cause they don't have any. I was, I mean, I was writing for the onion, but I hadn't written any sketches in my life. Um, and I I had to write two to put in this packet, and uh, I think I wrote them in a word. I definitely didn't like know about Final Draft or anything yet. Uh, <laughs> but so I I um, MS Paint. Yeah, I was like I wrote them on a post it. <laughs> um, but so they were like, well, you know, you could try to like hedge around, like how much say say that you you know you watch a lot of sketch stuff and you're interested in the, and so of course they call me and the first question is. Uh, how much sketch experience you have. And I was just like, you know what? Absolutely none. I have not. I was like, those were the first two sketches I ever wrote. But if you like those, then I can write more like that. I mean, I'm the person that wrote yeah, those. Yeah, I'm the person yeah. that definitely wrote those. So if you like that, I'll, I, I learn really fast. And so they did and they hired me and that's I awesome. Down here. Yeah. And then I wrote a bunch of sketches and it was really fun. I don't think I'm particularly great at sketch writing. I think I'm better at longer forms, but it was it was super fun. Well, that's to me was always the tough thing with sketch writing too. Is that whole like three pages? Mm -hmm. Like I, I I remember my first like one on one sketch class. I would come in with like twelve page sketches every week, and people would just like n make me leave the room yeah. and shit. It's tough for me to edit myself. I've tried to write sketches since, <clears throat> and a lot of them end up being monologues because I just you're I don't so know, used. I, yeah, yeah, I'm used to that format. You know, one person talking. So now you go from. Achieving your dream in life at 23 to writing for a TV show to moving out to Hollywood to write for a TV show. Uh, yes. What was that like? Well, I mean, I was, I came out here for Dimitri. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. Yeah. Um, do you mean writing for community? No, I mean, no, no, no. Going like Dimitri, the, like going oh. from like, this is your first LA writing gig for a TV show, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Had you ever it been was, to LA before? Um, I had when I was younger because I have some family out here, but I think the last time probably would have been when I was like, 12 or 13. Um, I didn't really want to come out to LA. I consider myself a pretty like East coast person. Uh, but it was pretty, it was pretty, I mean, what a good way to move out here to work for a TV show. That's a gig. What, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was like on a lot on like a movie lot and I'd never been on one of those before. And there was like people riding golf cart carts all around, just like <laughs> in the movies. It was pretty great. Um, I love that. That's that was your big like. They have golf carts just like in the movie. <laughs> well, it really, yeah. and they have those big buildings with the numbers on the side, the huge numbers like state. Oh, totally, where they're like we're yeah. shot here, Citizen Kane and Two and a Half Men. Like, yeah, it's exactly. Really horrible mashups. It's, it's kind of crazy yeah. to be, and there's palm trees all over. It's just like. 
you know, I, I mean, I'm used to the Midwest and the East Coast. That's what I've been doing for it's a lot of years. It's drastically different. There are mountains here for yeah. no fucking reason. That you can just see out of your window. Yeah, for, for, no, yeah. for no reason whatsoever. There are mountains and no one goes to them. Like, they're just here in the background. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like Picture Perfect all the time. Yeah. So, it's like the movie Picture Perfect <laughs> all the time. Is that set in Los Angeles? I don't think so, okay. but I would have a great movie, though. Um... So you're living in LA, you're writing for a TV show. Yeah. So, um, and it was like the first time I'd ever been on set for something. And, uh, and Dimitri actually like put us in some of the sketches. So I'm in a couple of them. Like you just get shoved in front of a camera at some point and like just have to do something, be somebody. It was so scary. Like I'm in some of those sketches and I, I, I would be called down from the, um, from the writer's room, like where we were working. And they'd just be like, here, put on these glasses and like be in the sketch. And I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> one of those people that are being this. like modest saying, oh, I'm not a performer. I'm actually like, I don't consider myself one. I would rather not do it. And so it was like really, it was kind of crazy to do that all the time, but they were really funny and the, the sketches were great. And the people that I was working with, with, with were so funny that I was just like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> I'll put on some fucking glasses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do this. Uh, so how, when the, that show, uh, came to an end, what, did, what was your next, uh, um, so that, that ended. And then my agents were like, okay, you have to write a spec script now. Uh, if you want to work for, cause I, I decided I kind of wanted to try to work for a sitcom, um, because I like the narrative format a little bit better than the, you know, the short sketch, sketch and which you've never, were you never into it to begin with really? Yeah, right? yeah. It was basically that or going into like late night, which I also, I really like late night in the sense that it's a lot of joke writing, which I love, you know, it's pure joke writing, but I, I just never done anything with a narrative before. And so I figured, I would try that. And um, a spec script for people who don't know is oh, it's um yeah. when, I didn't know. When they told me it I was like, yeah, one of them and then I googled it. <laughs> I will look uh, that up. It's it's a it's an episode of a show that currently exists on television. So I wrote an it's always sunny. Spec. And and the other thing, the other thing that people always said it it's usually the sh- you don't pick a popular show because everyone's writing that. There's always like yeah, one weird show to for a while, it was How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, Everyone and then like, there was one. a ton of office specs and there was totally. a ton of 30 Rock specs. And you also don't want to write one for the show that you want to get on because they try not to read specs that are – like community tries not to read community, community specs, specs yeah. because God forbid one of those ideas like end up in the show and then there's all that legal. Makes sense. Whatever. So literally how television writers get hired, folks, is fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> fan fiction, and so yeah. I wrote fan fiction of It's Always Sunny because I love that show and I thought it was really great. Um, a great format. And, uh, so I wrote that and then they put that in a packet with like some of my onion stuff and, uh, some of the Dimitri sketches. And uh, I started going out for all these general meetings, which, you know, there's like a time of year where everyone kind of staffs. No, and yeah. So you go to all these general meetings and you meet with all these, um, you know, people at ABC and NBC, all the networks. And you just talk about, I don't know, like I never quite knew what to say when we go in. Cause you're not, you're not supposed to really be pitching them stuff. they just want to know who you are. They're just but like, be funny in a room. Maybe. Yeah. But it's hard to be who you are without pitching stuff kind of, because you're like, well, this is who I am. This is the kind of stuff that I'm into. So, mm. Also, I make a ton of mistakes. Like, I'll insult the uh, movie, like a movie that was made by the production company it's that I'm doing a, a general way. I've, I've pulled that a million oh, fucking God, times. That's so, it's yeah. so, and there's no way to backtrack. I'm just like, well. I like every movie now <laughs> because of that reason. You never know when yeah. someone made the fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. But so I did all these general meetings, and, um, and uh, one of them, I met with a bunch of people that were like surrounded around community, like uh, somebody at NBC 
one of the producers on Community. And this is before then, the show had started up or? No, this was, uh, I'd already been watching a first season. So this is second season. This was second season. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it was my favorite show on television. And I As told mine. my agents, like, <laughs> that would be a reason that I would stay in LA. I'm, I'm really into that show. Um, I just, I, I loved every second of it first season and I loved where it was going. I could just tell it was like going to be this whole new thing that nobody had ever seen before. And, uh, humble brag. Uh, but so, but so we, like, I, I was really interested in that show and I kind of fixated on it and, uh, and I got an interview and so I interviewed with Dan and probably like babbled my head off about the show. I mean, I think I talked for like an hour solid. I was just, I don't even know what I said. I blacked out. I was so, I was thinking, uh, okay, this good is for interviews, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was so nervous and I was like, this might be the only time I ever get to talk to the people that make my, like f- my favorite show on television. So I just want to tell them everything about how much I love it. And, uh, but they're, you know, trying to conduct an interview too. But like, what are those TV interviews really anyway? Because. You can't judge how somebody's going to be in a room based Especially on an as hour a writer. Yeah, maybe for actors or whatever. But when yeah. you're staffing people, as, as yeah, how do you gauge someone's writing ability by talking yeah. to them? That doesn't make so any sense. So they already read yeah. my stuff, and they kind of knew probably whether or not they were interested in me. I think it might be more to see if people are assholes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think it genuinely meant like he's a good writer, but he's a dick, and I don't want to work with him yeah, every day. Let's feel yeah. it out for an hour. I don't know. Dan uh, Harmon, my boss, has described me as um, like – Amy Poehler's Dakota Fanning impression in, in that interview because I was just like so like I love your show everything's great I was so excited but it, you busted out a Greendale poster for everyone to yeah, sign I and was shit like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah I was like sign my cast um, <laughs> no I uh, broke my arm on purpose to get the cast so you could so sign, you can it. sign yeah. it uh but uh, yeah so I interviewed with them and then I that was the only interview that I took because I I wanted it so bad and, and as soon as we had the interview I kind of heard rumblings from my agents and stuff that like I think they like you they're interested so let's hold off on meeting a bunch of people and uh and then it took what felt like I'm sure it was two and a half weeks <laughs> it felt like an eternity for them to get back to me and offer me the job um but I was just like I was waiting and the you know, I wasn't looking anywhere else and I was thinking, I'm, I, you know what? I should just move back to New York. Like I was still renting a car eight months later because that's how unsure I was no, of yeah. staying in Los Angeles, <laughs> which is ridiculous. I was paying like $700 a month. It's kind of non-committal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I didn't, I was like, I might not need a car. I might be going back to New York and begging for my job back at the onion, which, you know, would have been great. I could have stayed at the onion forever too. It was like, it was awesome there. But, um, Shoot, I totally lost. Two and a half weeks later. So two and a half <laughs> weeks later, uh, I, nope, still don't remember. Get your job at About you getting a job at Community? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Stoned. You could just edit all that out, right? All that huge gaping of space. Of course. No, um, no, it was like two and a half weeks later. And, and in that, in the meantime, Dan had sent me a direct message on Twitter saying like, Hey, did they, did, are you on the staff yet? And I was like, Oh, does that mean, am I gonna, <laughs> like, but wouldn't I, you know, dude? Yeah. yeah. Well, but I mean, there's all this like, you know, it's like they have to show that they have to have their whole staff together and then NBC has to approve everyone. It's like this whole bunch of people have to talk in rooms. Yeah. And basically. about whether or not that's, they're going to hire That's you. basically what Hollywood is. is yeah. Descending rooms. It's like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah. People with suits in other yeah, rooms. So yeah. So I think he wanted to hire me, you know, from the beginning. So I was like, no, they haven't yet. Anything. And, uh, and then I, yeah, I got hired. My agents called and they, and they, they always do this, uh, thing for some reason. I think it's like funny, uh, where they say, so terrible news, like all smiley. 
I love that they, I thought you were going to say they pull like the little kid thing of like, all right, so it didn't go well. And then they're like, surprise. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the, the lesser version <laughs> no, of that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so they told me and I just lost my mind. I was That's so awesome. Excited. And you were, you were, so at that point where you're like, all right, I'll, I guess I'm staying in LA now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you but, buy a car? <laughs> yeah, I bought a car shortly after and I like moved into an apartment that I actually liked because I was like, okay, I'm staying here now. I have to. I like that you're, your way of eight, for eight months, you're like, I'm going to fucking hate my life just in case it doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I didn't. I don't want to get comfortable in any way. But it was also like I moved out here and every waking moment was just a fixation on the job that I had because it would, was all new to me. So like I went from not writing sketches to writing sketches for my job, yeah. like for the money that would pay. And I was like way in debt from being in New York because New York is really expensive and print doesn't pay that well. And so it was really like a hand to mouth sort of thing. And I was, you know, it was a big gamble to. You're just I'm, surviving for the first eight months. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, gambling on your talent is what you do and a lot of people out here live like that and i feel like it's harder to struggle in la than it is in new york um just because you know you need gas and a car there's like some expenses that like when like i did- rent yes rent is way more expensive in new york but other than yeah. rent you can kind of just walk around yeah. the park mm-hmm. all day if you need to yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. it's just sort of more low maintenance but um so yeah, it was really like hand to mouth. And, uh, so it was nerve wracking. And I just think I focused on that so much that I didn't settle anywhere. I would just come home. I just needed the bare minimum. So I was just suitcase living and focusing just completely on, on your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting to the next thing. And, you know, when I was writing the spec, that was the first thing I had ever written that was 30 pages long. The first thing in final draft, like the anything like that and so i wrote that and then the what second were you thing, writing the dimitri stuff on by hand no no, no it was oh, in okay. final draft oh, but right. it was just like shorter <laughs> no, no, you know yeah, and yeah, i had yeah. to learn final draft while i was on that job because i had no idea actual for- they hired you to write for a television show and they're like here's how you format one That's yeah well awesome. no they were like here's final draft and i was like thank you i totally know how to use this <laughs> i completely understand this and then went home and did like tutorials That's on awesome. how to um, use Final Draft, but uh, that's been my whole job is lying and then Googling stuff. Yeah, but it seems to work <laughs> out though, right? It yeah. really has been. I gotta keep. Tr- I gotta try that next time. Um, so now you get hired on Community, your favorite show on TV. Yeah, and so then the second thing that I ever wrote that was thirty pages long was my first episode of that show. So I was just, it was just constantly feeling like the best kind of drowning, but drowning. Like I just, since I've been out here, it's like, Oh my God, how am I doing this? I guess I'm just going to fake it till I make it like sort of, you know, it's, it's scary. And, and I'm working for a show that I actually love and don't want to screw up. If it was just something that I felt kind of middling about, it would be like, well, if, you know, if I'm learning on this show, that's okay, but I don't want to be learning on community. Yeah. Not only of the, it's not only the pressure of getting the job. Now it's once you get there, it's not to suck, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. gotta be almost not to, worse. Not to be yeah. the thing that makes it bad. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what's what's the writing process? What was it like on community? You said you wrote did you write solo episodes? Is that mostly Um I mean everybody writs all together, obviously. Um we break all the stories it, together. So there's we... like a for for the people who have no interest in fucking how this works, don't know anything about it. There's like a general writer's room, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone gets well, together. Well we break into two rooms usually. And one room is breaking stories, meaning like coming up with what's gonna happen plot wise for each story. The concept of the episode. Yeah. yeah so yeah. in this scene and he goes up to Jeff and says this and then in the next scene Britta says this thing to Troy and so they're breaking down the story and uh, A, B, and C storylines just like they just rank them in terms of how important they are to the general narrative but um so we'd have a story breaking room and then the other room is a rewrite room that would take episodes that had after, after the story's been broken usually a writer will take home an outline and write and take a week and just 
write the episodes. And they'll assign it to one right, like one writer yeah, per episode. Yeah, one writer. Okay. Yeah. And who's sort of the point person on that episode? That's not to say that they're the only person that wrote any of the jokes, obviously, because after they write it and they turn in a writer's draft, it goes to a rewrite room and all of those people sit with Dan and he goes over the episode and makes sure the story is working. And then we rewrite uh, areas that don't work or if we made changes to the story, we have to rewrite those. On the stuff. spot, typically? Um, yeah, lately we've been taking more stuff home, which I think is kind of better or people will go off to their offices with scenes because you kind of need to focus to write really good jokes. I, no, yeah. I have a hard time. A lot of people are really good actually just improving in the room. I have a hard time doing that. I'm like, I'm a person who likes to have some quiet space to, to think for a second. Some candles. Yeah. yeah, yeah so my it. favorite time is that week where we have the writer's draft because that's just like you and your apartment, you know, and you feel like a writer and you've got your like coffee and your laptop and your, <laughs> awesome. you know, was there any kind of like indoctrination into the language of the show, the characters, or just being a fan, you knew how they talked? Um, I mean, no, you, I mean, there's a ton to learn. Obviously you want to know, you have to, first you have to kind of, soak up Dan's sensibility as far as what he likes in stories, what he likes in jokes, what kind of character things he likes to pursue and and what he doesn't like about the characters that he wants to minimize. So you learn all of those things in the first few weeks because the first few weeks we called character camp, which was just kind of talking about, you know, what's Shirley going to do this season? What's Britta going to do? What what happened last season with them? Where do we want to take this? And so you kind of learn his vision for stuff and then and then you kind of then you start pitching episode ideas. That's yeah. awesome. What was the first episode you got? Uh, you said your your second writing thing ever was a thirty page episode. Do you remember what episode it was? Um, yeah, it was uh, cooperative calligraphy. It was the bottle episode where Annie loses her pen. Oh yeah, they're looking for it, and they're all like, accusing everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was the and I, it was cool because my name ca- came up in the rotation, and Dan had been mentioning this bottle episode, which when he mentioned, it, I of course like ran to the bathroom and googled it because I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and for- bottle episode for those who don't know, it's a. Okay. Uh, uh, when an episode of a TV show takes place in one locate, one central yeah. location. Usually yeah, yeah. done for money's sake. You minimize the locations so you can shoot it faster. There's the Seinfeld garage episode is a good example. Yeah, or the, or... um, them waiting for the Chinese totally. dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, Chinese yeah. Place. Um, and so I, he had been talking about doing a bottle episode and I thought, well, that's cool. And also very limited for, and for a person who had, hadn't written an episode of the, of TV before, I was like, that seems like, Nice and, you know. You can stay away from explosions and shit. Yeah. yeah you don't have to yeah. worry about it's going like, too crazy it's, though. It's small. It's like a play. You know, it's all in one room. You have all your characters at your disposal. So you never have to worry about, oh, well, Troy can't say something at this point because he's in another room. He's doing something else. Okay. So it was, I was just like, I, so I, when my turn came up, I said to Dan, I'd really like to try that bottle episode if that's cool. And, uh, and he said, uh, yeah, you know, just come up with a reason that they all have to stay in the whole the room the whole time. Like someone loses their pen. And then he walked out of the room and I was like, that sounds good to me. And we all just we thought of a bunch of other things, of course, and we were that we had to pitch him. But everyone was just like, you know what? It's better if it just isn't a big reason, because the bigger the reason, the 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 more you have to like justify, you know, the bigger the fight you have to you have to spend a whole bunch of time on like what the fight is. Whereas if it's just something that's insignificant, then you can spend all this time in character dynamics of what people are really angry at. And why they're flipping out about this. Tiny yeah, because it's obviously no, not yeah. the pen. And plus, it's a universal thing that's happened to everybody. Everybody's like had a pen that they feel like they had in this meeting. And then it was like, I definitely brought it in here. But if, they, if you're they don't typically you lock the room down and fucking, yeah. yeah, yeah, give everyone personality tests. Yeah, and so it was just it was cool because you could pile all these crazy things on top of it because it was so mundane. That's the awesome. actual thing. So 
we, uh, so he said, yeah, you can do that. And then we broke the episode, which did actually, it was very hard and took a long time because you had to have all these sort of intersecting storylines, um, based on things that you could find in people's purses, you know, and things that, things that would just kind of naturally come out. It's like out. 12 Angry Men. Yeah. You have to literally yeah, just find watched, the things in that. Did you? Yeah. I watched 12 Angry it's Men. It's an awesome movie. Pig, it's so pig, good. Piglet's in it. That's my favorite part about it. Mm-hmm. The little bald guy is the voice of Piglet. Yeah. He was having oh, really? And every okay. time he talks, all I can imagine is Piglet. We saw that really awkward oh, joke adorable. about 12 Angry Men. That's what we were talking about it. Did we? Um, on, uh, Talking Dead. Oh yeah, Robert yeah. Like a, made a twelve angry men joke, and he just looked at the screen very awkwardly, and we're like, nobody got that joke. Oh, I was, I was a big moment. fan of that joke. Um, and, and Hardwick himself. Uh, no, that's great. So, what's the from conception to I don't want to say air date, but to filming? What's the average time it takes for an episode to be written of Community? Let's say. Um. Oh God, it really varies. I mean, the story breaking part varies a lot. It can be one week, depending on how far late we are in the season, how behind we are. And also just some stories break out easier than others. Um, so it can be anywhere from one week to, I think, I think second season's, um, Halloween episode took like six weeks to wow. break. No, yeah. But of course you're doing a bunch of other things at the same time. You're working on other episodes and stuff. And you're rewriting old ones. It's, and, it's yeah, a constant it's flow a, of material. Yeah, right? exactly. So you, it's kind of wrapped into that, but it just took a really long time to break that one. And so then it took less time to write it because we had to write it faster. Um, but usually once, once it's broken and it goes to, uh, goes home for a writer's draft, that takes a week. And then you come back and usually there's like a week where you kind of fix it up for the table read. And then, uh, the week after the table read where you hopefully like, um, fix whatever jokes didn't land and stuff like that. And then it shoots. So from, so like four weeks from when you turn in your writer's draft, which usually. is a, which is a while. Yeah, but yeah. towards the end of the year this year, we were like, we were like two weeks from episode from just the idea of an episode to completion. To getting to air. Yeah. That's awesome. Or to getting to, yeah, to, to shoot it. And, uh, yeah, you're in kind of more of a rhythm at the so end. So you said like you got to be on set on Dimitri and see your sketches and stuff. What was it like? Do you get to go on set much on community? Yeah. Actually, the writer of each episode gets to be on set. That's for awesome. Week, which is awesome. And well, a lot of shows don't do that. Yeah. So, so what's really it like? Cool. Not only is it your favorite show on TV, but now you're watching yeah. them say like, stuff so, that you put in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. So for the bottle episode, um, the first day, I mean, we sat in the same chairs just like they did. <laughs> for five days it took well it took like four days to shoot that episode but they came in every day and put on the same clothes and sat in the same chairs and we're, we were just like we filmed it actually in chronological order so every That's day awesome. they were getting kind of more messy and um but so uh we sat the director and the script supervisor and and i, I was the writer on set um we all sit behind monitors but we sat in the same place too for a week and so it was like this really cool thing where the director that i had um Joe Russo, who's really great and was so welcome to, welcoming to me because he just kind of, like I would say, oh, I feel like this thing needs to be a little bit more like this. And I, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing on set. I mean, at that time, as far I, as a writer's role on yeah, set, nobody yeah, nobody yeah. ta- nobody kind of tells you about it or like what you're supposed to be like. So you're basically just watching these things play out and then saying whether or not it feels to you like what the joke was was supposed to be but it's really there's no there's no standard for how to do it it's just your own personal style but that, seem, that seems like an amazing approach to writers that most shows and movies don't yeah. have at all oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah and it's it's you know luckily the crew is really respectful of us because we're sort of dan's mouthpiece uh, on set and we're trying to get what he wants done um which is scary too you know interpreting his vision like yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to not screw up there either and make sure that you get the correct performances and the correct intonations of everything. Um, 
but so I was there every day and, uh, and Joe was really great because I would give him notes and he would just kind of be like, yeah, just go in and tell the actors. And I didn't know them. I barely, I'd only met them a couple times since the start of my job, except for Donald, who I knew in New York New for York, a while. From, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to be a big fan of, I mean, I am still a big fan of Derek, the group that he's in. Very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now we just, we, I said we just did a show with DC last night. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big friend DC and Dominic, did a show at the Smod Castle. Yeah, yeah. They're awesome. And they were like my only friends in LA when I moved out here. So I was, I used to stalk them all the time. Um, but, uh, wait, I totally lost my, oh no. So, so Donald, I knew Donald, but no one else. And so I walked in the first day and I was sitting behind the monitor and I like texted Donald because we were about to do the first shot. And I was like, this is insane. Like I'm about to, I'm, I'm sitting and about to watch the first shot of an episode that of, of television uh, on a show that I was only a fan of last year that I watched at home and thought was like awesome. And now That's they're about crazy. to say words no, that yeah, I wrote. Yeah, yeah. It was like totally surreal. And, uh, and they were so great. Like I would just every, every time they said cut, I would run into the study room and like tell them certain <laughs> things and, you know, adjust things. And, uh, and they were so nice. The cast is like so great. The, at the end of the uh, four days, I, on the last shot where they're all sort of sitting between the two tables and, everything scattered around and they're kind of half clothed. Uh, I sat down because it was getting towards the end of the day and I was like, Hey guys, thanks for being in my episode. I just started bawling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. It was great. It was, it was the most fun I've ever had. That's it really, was, really cool. It was awesome. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Who's your favorite character to write for on that show? Um, I, I really like Britta. I like writing for Britta. She's so much fun. She gr- gets more fun every year because she's just so. She's amazing now. Yeah. Like she's... Her, her little songs and shit now are yeah. the most, Britta's we, my we favorite. We embrace part. this yeah. part of Gillian, the actress, that is so lovable. Like, and, and it's just in her naturally. I mean, she's, she's gorgeous. She's graceful. She's an amazing actress, but there's also this, uh, awkwardness that we've been able to like embrace now and kind of chase. And she's so endearing. Cause I was, I mean, community is my favorite, my favorite show on television by far. I was showing someone, I was trying to get someone caught up and watching it again. You realize like Britta oh, yeah. entirely changes from the yeah. first season. She's a different person yeah. in that first episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But progressively better and better. And like, yeah, the, yeah. And she's so, and it's so fun to give her jokes. I mean, all the characters in their own way are fun to write for. That's what's so great about the show. You get kind of a, you get to exercise different muscles with each person because some people are really good at one-liners. Whereas like Jeff uh, writing Jeff speeches are so much fun. It's like writing a great, um, like a Shakespearean. Uh, how, yeah. Or like how yeah. I imagine in the prime days of law and order, how it was to write one of Sam Waterston's like Jack McCoy speeches. Like real, when he lays it all fucking down. That yeah, must yeah. have been so much fun. Like that must have been the greatest. I mean, just cause you're, yeah. The, and you know, it's going to like, he's going to perform the hell out of it. And that's the thing about Joel too. Like he's really, really great at giving those speeches and so you know you're going to get something back that's even better than what you put out there so it's twofold right you write for the character but you also write knowing what the actor is going to do with that lines mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah yeah like donald it's great but donald always surprises you too with stuff that you like didn't expect and a lot of times at the end of scenes we'll just be like yeah and then just say something funny <laughs> like just is there the much scene. improv um, uh with with donald there is and with uh jim rash actually because they been, both come from yeah, yeah yeah but then like every once in a while yeah there's a little bit of improv like um just things at the end of scenes the actors now that they have some chemistry at the end of scenes they'll just kind of keep going with it you know and so sometimes we include that stuff i think joel got one in in one of my episodes in my second episode this season. what was your second episode this season um i did uh, uh the number is 317 and okay, uh, which is an awesome one yeah. yeah and uh um it's a law and order episode oh yeah yeah it's the law and order like we're gonna 
we're going to do one. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I mean, it's got to be the most fulfilling thing in the world coming from a fan first and now a year, what is it, two years later? Yeah. Yeah, right? We've been on it for two years and it's Amazing. like, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's still, it's still really fun, especially, like I said, being on set with all the actors and so, it's just so cool to write something and then get to see it performed. That's got to be the most, uh, amazing thing as a writer in the world yeah. i can't even imagine like that's got to it's every writer's dream i'm yeah. sure and to get to perform people like that, that yeah you and also and from love. actors yeah. who really like the show like they're constantly quoting the show on set to each other that's like awesome. doing stuff from earlier episodes doing each other's lines and stuff. and it's great because you know they like it then you know they're having fun and table reads and stuff are it's just cool to see them perform no yeah do, um do you do so when you're when you're staff writing on a job that's pretty much your life right yes, like you don't do it's any entirely my life yeah so i've just been uh we just wrapped and uh, two two and a half weeks ago or so and uh and it's like being released i and i don't say this pejoratively because i obviously love the job a lot but it's like being released from a cage because all of a sudden it's like your world is entirely the different the air tastes differently no <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i mean all of a sudden it goes from you knowing every second of your day and where it's going to be spent to not literally not having anything to do like this doing this podcast is the only thing i had to do today i love that when you and you feel you're gonna feel so accomplished in like 10 minutes when we finish like you did what you need to do for the day yeah feel free to just lay down but it's great the rest of the night you can i think it just affects like how you sleep because if you go to bed knowing that the first thing when you wake up you have something to do you sleep different you know you're anticipating that thing so, uh, so yeah, it really is like they let you, uh, let you go. But pretty soon here, I have to start writing for myself. I think I'm going to try to write a pilot over this hiatus. Oh, very cool. And so I've got to do some work. It's not going to be just <laughs> like smoking yeah. pot and sitting indoors all day. <laughs> Which is fun. But yeah, throw a little bit of work in there. Throw a little bit of work in there every day, you know, yeah. pepper, pepper the productivity throughout. And you'll be like, I deserve three hours now. Yeah. Video exactly. game time. Yeah. Um, I hate to go to a, a bad subject for a minute. But uh, is the future still open for a community? Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard. No one's. About it, it's still four. not official yet, right? Yeah. So we, I guess, we'll probably know. There's been. Some... I mean, they they always go like, "You'll know by April," but then you don't know. I mean, like the, whenever NBC tells us, that's when we'll know. I think, and but the reaction from the fans has been kind of amazing. It's right? been great, and like I the think the protests it's... and the in the Save Greendale stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's so, so awesome. And as a writer, you know, you're you're used to having the episodes air and kind of having that fuel fuel you as you keep writing. But this year, once it got taken off the schedule, it was just kind of like, we're just sitting in the dark writing these episodes with each other. But it's not airing, so people don't know. It's like you're not getting, you're not seeing response to the episodes that you've already written. So you're kind of going out on this longer and longer limb of this tree and you're like oh, i wish wish we could see if people if this <laughs> is actually sturdy, like if this, they like no, this. Yeah. but um but you know dan always has like a pretty strong vision about that stuff and so you know it, i i think that they're gonna be great episodes there might be like i'm assuming it's probably gonna be darker but this season was supposed to be I think dark that would anyway. make sense and that would make sense though just with the whole climate of ever you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so we, we won't know. Uh, and I think it's, it's really cool. It's coming back on the 15th. I think people are really going to like the episodes when it comes back and hopefully that'll garner like a lot of interest, more interest and people will get people watching it. But it's, you never know what the reasons are for why they keep something or cancel it. And I don't. I think, and I, what I love about this one is, cause this has happened how many times now? Like Arrested Development, Family mm-hmm. Guy, Futurama, 
a the community me might be the first one where we were like, we've seen this happen way too often to let it happen. Everyone got super proactive immediately. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah, it is cool. And you know, it's, it's cool to, I guess that's just kind of a cool image to have is like the thing that nobody can bear, uh, to get canceled. You know, I think that's, that's awesome. I, and, and they're so creative. The fans, like they make all these amazing paintings and, and, uh, drawings and they've turned them into like X-Men. Did you see that one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was the most amazing thing with the locker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. And it's like, you know, it's so cool that you, that we've awakened that very, uh, creative fan base. Well, it's definitely one of those shows that just it connects with so, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's that show for a lot of people. It and was for me. Like I've never in my life, when I started watching a show, bothered to look up all the writers of that show and try to find people on Twitter. And I started following Dan on Twitter and I've never bothered to do anything like that before. And then I, I don't know what it was about that show that was like, or maybe it was just at the time that I was starting to be on Twitter more. And like, so I was becoming, that's probably, it probably hit <laughs> at a moment where like, I was just happened to be more, uh, what do you call it? Social networky. But I started following everyone and it was like, it's so interactive. Like the show now, we have such a cool dialogue with people over Twitter and, and with people making stuff for us. And, and that's, and it feels in a way like, I, I feel like this way about space and maybe a few other shows, but it feels like our show in a, it, it, it's, it's the opposite of, uh, and I don't want to begrudge anyone else's work, but like the Big Bang Theory sort of things mm-hmm. of the world where like, this is a show for geeks or this is a show for yeah. this. Community just is and yeah. it's not trying anything. It's not pandering to anyone. And that's why it's so, yeah, it's like, just yeah, really nerdy. Throwing a random American. <laughs> American, uh, Fievel goes, Amer- an American tale reference, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's stuff like that. The references are so, it's never hit on the head though. Like, yeah. Like, I love this year, all the stuff that we were doing with like, uh, Inspector Space Time and like Cougar, Cougar Tanabi and these like other shows <laughs> that exist within their universe. No, yeah. It's, it's so much fun. And it's like, it's geeky in that way that like is, is not making fun of anybody and it's no. not trying to be like, cause no, no two people are geeky in the same way either. It's like, it's a stereotype just as much as anything is. Totally. So they're, they're just their characters. Yeah. Not one of them's like a, not one of them is a geek per se, but it, it just, yeah, I yeah. feel like it, it connects right with, yeah. But it's cool because just people that know about the BBC at all are listening to that and going, oh, that's, you know, like, I don't know. Dude, I could do a 14 hour podcast on Downton Abbey right now. <laughs> Her <laughs> involved. Yeah. yeah. I haven't watched any of the second season. Oh, you're missing out. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a, a spoiler alert. Okay. Uh, Archduke Ferdinand doesn't make it too long. And, and, and we got we, oh we go to war. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, that's so cool. So so now it's just waiting to I guess to hear if it comes back, right? Yeah, we're just sort if, of if yeah. So I'm in this holding pattern right now where I'm going on these weird general meetings and just everyone's being like so, and I'm like so. There's nothing <laughs> really to say. Um, I'm gonna keep the faith. Those six seasons in a movie. Yeah, let's hope, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, me too. I I want it to come back. I I think there's so much left to do with it. You know, there's so many more like concepts we haven't hit yet and and dynamics and they're gonna i want to see them move out of school like a lot of the episodes we had this season were just them in an apartment all together we're getting them out of the yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not in the academic environment anymore <laughs> um and it's still really fun to watch and it just naturally transitioned to that way because it's about the characters now it's not the yeah. con- it's one of those shows where like the concept gets thrown away pretty quick like yeah it's a study group at a community college but that doesn't really matter yeah as although much as just- we have to keep uh the dean because jim rash is so funny i, I love and that he got made 
like a few, he just won an Oscar, dude. I, I wrote Dean Pelton just won an Oscar, like the yeah. Geeks of the World won. I just tweeted, yeah, he yeah. It was so funny in that acceptance. It was uh, great. No, yeah, yeah. And so we we have to figure out a way to keep him on board. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and so it, it feels natural and it feels like there's story left to tell. So I I really hope we get a fourth season. I think I think we would do some cool stuff. That's awesome. But on on the you front, so you're gonna start writing some stuff yourself. You're gonna do a yeah. Pilot, I'm gonna try it. I'm not gonna like write it to sell it or anything. But I I've got a see what that would be because i've i've thankfully always been employed and so i've always been writing for a deadline and for another person but i haven't done any writing just for me like what kind of tv show would i write if i just wrote one uh so i'm gonna start investigating that's awesome this. yeah so so that might be the next step if well, it'll either be community right or yeah maybe, maybe a solo dolo shot <laughs> yeah who knows i mean it's gonna be like the it's weird to know in the next two or three months your entire life is gonna change in some way um, Are you excited about it though? Yeah, that's I am. a good way to be. And I'm, yeah. and I'm like settling into LA a little bit more this year. I feel I'm, I've, you know, I've bought furniture. I've, like you said, made it my LA now. I get it. You have like you have your life here now. Yeah, right? and that's, yeah I'm that's starting to have kind of what I like about LA too. Is is and I love New York. I'm from there, but it's a bit more oppressive in the sense that like New York's too. You can make the best life out here if you want to. Yeah. I feel like you know what I mean. Oh yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, it can be it's very the land of opportunity. Too. Yeah, there's sun and shit <laughs> yeah. and like beaches and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I have a dog. Like I drive a car. <laughs> like everything changed. Oh my yeah, God, yeah. Are you a millionaire? I feel like I'm an adult. Yeah. Oh, see, billions. Yeah, I, I come out here from Kentucky. And I just look at, like. How much do you pay for that? Well, I can get that home like 10 grand. I can drive a car, no problem. I can have a bunch yeah. of jobs. I come out here yeah. and I'm like, open there, space like and sort of fucking hoarders. suck it in like a Hoover vacuum. Like, oh, I uh, saw your tweet about hoarders. Oh, I've been watching I, it all day. I love that. I watch hoarders when I like start to feel really bad about myself. Totally. Like, exactly. yeah. It's, it's the ultimate schadenfreude television of all time. It's just like watch it's people so with worse terrible, lives than you. Yeah. But you watch it and you're like, that is definitely a problem I do not have. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then you can move about your day. That's what I always say. I'm like, man, I'm coming over and watch hoarders. My life sucks today. <laughs> but like, I loved your thing about if you have to walk sideways. You should have heard my mom. That's her mom's rule. Yeah, yeah. So, so her mom, mom called one Patty. night. Yeah, my mom collects a lot of stuff. Matt was on speakerphone with my mom. Do you want to? <laughs> you do better impressions. Okay. Uh, well, your mom called late one night, and there was a lot of talking. Your mom was a funny lady, but it turned into you said we were watching hoarders. She goes, "Oh, can I say what your mom calls you?" Yeah. She's like, "Mimi, let me uh, tell you the rule about hoarding." If you can walk straight through your hallways, you're not a hoarder. But if you walk sideways, you are. And she was like, is that the rule? She goes, yes, it's very well known. Everyone knows that. And then I asked her, what do you do if you have to walk sideways? No, you no. You said, "What if you have to walk sideways yeah. in certain rooms of the house?" Uh-oh. She said, "You need to get help immediately." Oh no, yeah. that was it. You're like, yeah. "So what if you walk sideways?" She's like, "You seek help immediately." Like mom, it's a my sliding mom scale. My mom called me at one in the morning on a bunch of pain medication. And she oh my didn't god! Make much sense. Just with her philosophies of horrors. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and like, and then she said, you really fully fleshed out though. Like they were like everyone knew them. Like the yeah, rules of horrors. Just like, yes. duh. How do you not know that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. it's very well known. And she's like, "Are you smoking reefer over there in California?" I was like, "Yes." I am mother. <laughs> I came home once and I had a right when I moved to my new apartment. Um, well, no, it wasn't right. It was probably like three months afterwards. But I, I never bought anything. And I, I just like I had a mattress on the floor for <laughs> for forever. The, but, the so glamour, this, the glamour of television. Oh writing. my god! I just well, I mean, you know, transitions are always really hard, especially physical ones that happen also with emotional transition or um rather like. Yeah, emotional transitions in my life. Like I started writing for TV and I moved to a, an entirely no, yeah, different yeah. part of the world, in my opinion. You know, like 
in it at the same time. And so it was just like too much. So I handled the one with the work, but the other one just sort of sat you were just for like, like I a want while. a mattress on the floor. But I came <laughs> home once and I had this bottle of wine and I was like all ready to have my night and I smoked a bunch and I sat down and then I realized I didn't own a wine opener and I was just like, <laughs> and then I watched Hoarders because I was like, see, it's okay. It's better to not have things. Yeah. It made me feel better. At least you don't have like 50 bottles of wine you can't At least get you don't have like or, or 500 wine openers and not a single bottle exactly. of wine. The worst yeah. one I ever saw was a woman who would shit in plastic bags and throw, throw them in the bathroom yeah. Up, yeah. No, throw them up this hall, this staircase like yeah up into oh i didn't upper. see that one. Yeah. Oh my Sad. god i saw she the was one i felt bad i for. saw the dude who was shitting in adult diapers and tossing them in a bathroom for oh, 30 years god. and didn't take any out for 30 fucking years and they like they like they had to tear down the they were the like 10 feet wall. high of like soiled adult diapers and they had to tear oh, down the oh, wall god, to oh, get god, them out oh, god so don't you feel better about yourself? I do. Mattress I do, on the floor, no bottle happen. opener. You don't even have to wear At least you go to the bathroom and a toilet. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's really the moral of the story. Go to bathrooms and toilets. And Sometimes I put my shoes in the middle of the floor, but that's... That's okay. That's it's okay. okay. You have to go around them or you just hide them. <laughs> <laughs> um, So we learned our lessons. Uh, go to the bathroom and toilets. You can keep shoes on the floor if you want to, but go around them. Uh, lie at your jobs and then Google stuff. Yeah. And you'll get ahead in life. Yeah. Uh, where can we, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, I have Twitter, Megan Gans, at Megan Gans. Uh, and, uh, I don't know where else. Oh, I, I have a couple tumblers. Um, one is photos of the tv.tumblr.com. Uh, and that's literally just photos I take of my television, nice. usually while watching <laughs> Nick Cage movies. So if you, if you're at all interested in that, I'm uh, very interested in that. Yeah. I am a big fan of Nicolas Cage's work. <laughs> Um, and I discuss it often. And then what other one? Oh, I also have one called, um, uh, oh, just my name, megangans.tumblr.com. And that's like these meeting notes that I do when I'm at work. I draw these like crazy doodles because oh, I awesome. sit there all day and they're these really elaborate. So like, c- community fans, you hear that? If you want to see some, <laughs> some inner workings of the writing room, uh, yeah. I did that. It looks awesome. like my brain exploding on a page. That's literally all I want to see in life. Uh, not in a weird, violent way. That sounded weird. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. This yeah, was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, me. we'll definitely have you back. Uh, Misty, give your, your plugs oh. out, man. Uh, at MiamisDon and MiamisDon.com. And what about the YouTube stuff? And, well, all the links are together. All right, but you got YouTube well, stuff. Well, because it's like YouTube.com slash user slash MistyDon. Is it? Yeah. I thought actually. it was just YouTube slash Misty Dawn. I mean, you can type that to anything auto corrects, but if you actually look at the URL. All right, guys, you'll find it. Google, Google it, and then lie about it later. Uh, and me and Misty have a show on her channel called Matt and Misty Have No Friends. Yeah. Where we play video games and then don't talk about the video games. No. Which is an interesting concept. No, it, it works. We do, but then we get off track. Rarely we do. Yeah. For like a minute, we're we, like, we're playing this and now I try to steer else. us back sometimes, but it always goes back to orgy concerts. Always. That's the, that's the subject of our life. And, uh, you can find me on the internet, uh, at CamelToad, CamelToadProductions.com, uh, Midnight Bagged and Boarded, more stories, uh, Team Jack on iTunes and Smodcast, and, uh, that's it. You can find me in your bushes, cause I'm sleeping there right now. I had a rough night. It's been bagged and boarded. Matt Conan. I just fucked up the outro of my own show. Let's take that back a second, cause I've only been doing this for four years, and I've only done that 95 times out of 120 episodes. So, uh, I'm Matt Cohen. It's been bagged aboard. It's been real what? I'm gonna go fuck myself. Bagged and boarded. Matt and Jeff.
Jesse watch lots of movies, get mad ladies, smoke mad doobies. Bet you bored of it's a way in life. Tell your friend, tell your mom, tell your hoe, tell your wife. Coming at you on a weekly basis, kicking up pods for your sexy faces. Who's the two free kids you want to bone? In the secret podcast bunker all alone. On the internet, we be the top crooks. We got issues and we only funny books. Homie Jimmy Moore and the dinos are chilling. Me and JR, we got the top billing. Sit down, relax, and yell and take a seat. Get ready for the top podcast, you all agree. I can spit loud, but I can spit faster. I'm Matt Cohen, I'm the Jew master. We got everything you could possibly want in it. An hour of us in the Brento minute. I'm a little laid back and he's making the maniacal. Could we just talk a shit? Who said the show was viable? Walking in the doors, making bad Jimmy Moore. You're listening from Alabama, all the way to Singapore. We're just two weeks, and that's the topic of discussion. Eddie's on the slopes, so I'm agree on nothing. Quick stop and night, you're storming like a typhoon. It's not right, it's wrong, it's taking lots of bones. We're teaching every show, everyone celebrates. Cause we got comics, movies, and a little penetration. I regret every episode as soon as it's recorded. Cause I'm down to earth and that is out of orbit You're not quite right, our thoughts are distorted So now we present to you another bag of boards Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded Bagged and boarded, bagged and boarded. Yeah! Find more funny shit like this at Smodcast.com